As you're turning back to James chapter 1, couldn't help but think about um, our series, Truth Matters, and why we're doing it, why we're going through really kind of talking about some modern uh, political issues, talking about the this undercurrent within the church and the progressive uh, Christian movement, which is uh, not progressing or Christian. Um, and I was just reminded that, you know, as, as we come to Scripture, uh, there, there's two kind of interpretive techniques. One is called eisegesis, which is I'm going to come in with my own viewpoints and try to find a verse that matches it. Right or or make the Bible kind of uh, you know believe what I what I want it to believe and and then we just kind of chop it up and dice and splice and and approach the Bible like it's a buffet and just kind of pick and choose the parts we want uh, and then there's exegesis which is we we take the passage and, and we draw out of the passage uh, what God is trying to tell us and and in exegesis we always start with uh, who's it written to. What was the point and purpose of the day and the time of the reader? And, and then we extrapolate that and say, okay, well then also how, how do we live? Uh, because we don't live in, you know, 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. Uh, God's word doesn't change. Uh, God's character doesn't change. His law doesn't change. So uh, how do we apply that to, you know, modern technology, right? Microwaves and uh, things like that. Well, one of the things we have to be reminded of is that, you know, God is not agenda driven. We tend to be agenda driven. And part of that is kind of the way uh, politics works. And then even now with uh, when, when you think of, of, of smartphones and social media, really, those are just like agendas. Those are just like agendas. And then they have this uh, this cool thing called algorithm that'll drive your agenda right back to you, you know, and you, you wonder why you always see, you know, things about unicorns and, you know, bunny rabbits. And it's because you're always looking at unicorns and bunny rabbits. <laughs> and, and so it's a real good indicator. If you ever want to just kind of self-evaluate, just kind of look at your feed. And it's like, you know, you're like, why is that coming up? Why is that coming up? Uh, because that's what you like. And they're actually better at it than you, which is scary. But see, we don't want to be agenda-driven people. We want to be God-driven people. And we have to humble ourselves to say, you know what? I actually don't know what's best for me. Um, I, I need God to tell me what's best. I, I know that sounds pretty good. It sounds clever. It sounds deep and insightful. But is that what God really says? Is, is that... Is that what God intended? Is uh, what, what does Scripture say? And so, you know, the you know we're even just talking this morning, and the 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 human you know just ego. You know, you think of Einstein, right? Smartest guy ever, and and Einstein can't you know get past the issue of well, I can't believe that there's a God because there's evil, right? I mean, many, many people have said the same thing. If there was a God, why would there be evil? It's, it's, it's the ultimate virtue signal. If I were God, there would be no evil. I mean, that's what he's saying. That, that's what people are saying. And really, they're, you know, they're just searching for an excuse not to follow God. And when they hear the one that kind of resonates with them, like, yeah, that's a good one. Why is there evil? Why is there pain and suffering in the world. Certainly I wouldn't. In, in my utopia, there would be no pain and suffering. And ironically, in every uh, dystopian or utopian book ever written, and they try to, in, in, a, in a fictional narrative, they can't even figure it out at the end. They, they never work. It, it's pretty interesting, really. But, but see, the, the ultimate virtue says, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't allow it. But then do they really understand what, what Scripture said? Like the base is, well, God doesn't cause and create evil. You do. I do. Sinful man 
breaks the peace and the unity. Um, now within that, there's going to be then these trials and these obstacles and traps. And it's like, and, and God says, and you know what? In that, there's actually benefits. It's not that God created the evil, but even through this life that we live, you know, there's, there's benefits. You, you read James 1 and it talks about considering it pure joy. When, when trials come your way, why? It, it strengthens you. Romans 5 says the same thing. It, it builds proven character. Uh, we, we think of the, the idea, right? The, the spoiled brat, you know, the kid who gets everything, nothing ever goes wrong. Uh, you know, mommy and daddy provide everything, rubber baby buggy bumpers, right? Around them, no pain, no suffering. That doesn't help them. That, that cripples them and hurts them. And, and, and so maybe God um, has a better understanding than we do. And maybe God can protect us through this evil and wickedness, but also then allow uh, some trials. And, and that's a good thing. Well, that's true. And so let me turn real quick to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, um, beginning at verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth." And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See, this is what we see constantly throughout the scripture. We constantly see kind of this, this, this comparison between good and evil, right? We see it here. There's, there's this evil lustfulness. Pursue righteousness. How do we pursue righteousness? Love uh, peace, patience, right? Calling the war from a pure heart. It also warns us about these things. You know, these we, we've been, you know, last couple of weeks in Romans 1 looking at futile uh, speculations. The, these speculations, these are ideas, these are concepts that man thinks. One of those concepts, right? I think I can do it better than you, God. If it were me in charge, I would do it this way. And so, man, debates and argues and you know they, they have a better way right and what does this do it produces quarrels and so you know we're instructed here when gentleness correct these things correct the opposition why so that people would come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil remember we're on a rescue mission this series isn't about like attacking individual uh, piccadillies. You know, we're, we're not here to, you know, attack homosexuality or, or attack the transgender, you know, movement. That, that's, that's not the point and the purpose. The, the goal here is, is that, you know, look, there's people who uh, have, have fallen to these foolish speculations and in gentleness, uh, we need to correct them. Uh, we, we, we pray that God would grant them repentance that leads them to the knowledge of what is true, the truth. Well, what is truth? Well, we only find it in the Bible. So that they'll come to their senses. They don't even understand that there's a devil. They don't understand that there's a, a satanic attack that, that, that's upon us, that, that's holding them captive. Well, with that being said, you know, there, there, there's this, this thing called the social justice warrior, right? And it's like, well, no, we're the people who would do this right. We would not allow any evil in the world, right? Again, they don't say it that way, but that's the overtone. Well, what did we learn in the previous couple weeks in Romans 1? Well, we, we realize that when people deny God, when they reject 
his invisible attributes, when they reject God, when they turn from his word, which has the power into salvation, well, here's the, the escalation. Here's the highway to hell that they start suppressing the truth. Okay, they, they push the truth down. And in that, then they elevate the speculation. So, so they'll believe anything about how we got here on the earth, except that God created it. So they'll come up with all kinds of silly speculations. Well, the suppression of the truth and the elevation of the speculations actually leads to like the impurity of their lusts. Um, and this is nothing new under the sun. We talked about the Romans and the Greeks and how it, it just, that, that, that lustful physical, um, you know, thirst just increases, increases, increases more and more and more. And at that point where God turns them over to their, their selfish, wicked desires, he turns them over to their depraved minds. And then things get really bad. But again, in Romans 1, we were reminded that we're called to follow the gospel. The bad news is that's a highway to hell. The good news is, is that Jesus Christ died and paid the price for whatever sin there is, whether it's you know, homosexuality, murder, greed, gossip, right? Whatever it is. If you, but you got to believe in God. And then the call to righteousness, the call to righteousness. And so for us, our, our, our goal is to have a Christian identity, a distinctly Christian identity. How do we get that? By having a distinctly biblical identity, not one that's, that's, that's attached to something like social justice war. And we'll, we'll get to that and the reasons why. But the social justice warriors, uh, th their, their goal is not to be biblically virtuous, right? Well, that should be an instant indicator that something's not quite right. Um, where in the scriptures do we see the, the push for political advocacy? We don't see that. And we see a lot of cultures where we're seeing a lot of time, like from the beginning to Jesus, right? We're seeing a lot of time here. A lot of, a lot of people are in the Bible, a lot of history, a lot of cultures, a lot of countries, nations, kings, pharaohs, all kinds of different people. We don't see advocacy passages. We don't see examples of that. What we see is you know, virtue is, is actually personal. You need to be holy. You need to follow the, the, you know, the law of the Lord. It, it's not as a collective. Yes, we see the nation of Israel, but, but you are accountable. And so we see passages, 1 Peter 1.16, be holy. Why? Because God's holy. He's our father he's who we follow we want to be like him we're to galatians 5 walk in the spirit not the flesh we walk in the spirit we're to colossians 3 put on virtue not put it off ephesians 4 1 says we're to walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling that's worthy of the sacrificial death the love that jesus has for us and then romans 6 16 just just point blank, you, you're called to be slaves of obedience. And so, we don't, again, we don't see advocacy. What we see is uh, justice is seen in righteousness, is seen in, well, following the law of the Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 but, but what about that pain and, and the evil in the world? Is God just? Well, where's the justice? You know, the, there, there is no justice. You watch the, the political scene right now, and you're like, where, what? You, you can get caught red-handed? Where's the justice? Well, again, we, we, we want to cling to Scripture, not what's happening in our, in our worldly politics. I'm reminded all the time, by the way, we've been very, very fortunate in America you realize we're not the only people on earth, right? On planet earth, that there's other countries and other countries that live like in communist regimes and fascist regimes and regimes that kill you for being a Christian. Um, somehow they figure out how, 
how to follow God without their president or their politics being any good. Um, we, we can have thicker skin than that. But see, here's the thing. We, we start with, when we think about justice, because justice is that legal term that, that's used. But we have a, a, a twisted idea of what justice is now. And part of that is because it's wrapped in a, in a political concept. And that's what makes this so wicked and evil. But here's the deal. All our problems, the source of all our problems, the root of all our problems is sin. It's, it's not a political party. It, it, it's the sin nature in man. God is not our problem. The church is not our problem. Christianity is not our problem. The problem is, is sin, is rebellion against God's word. And so... The reverse of that is the answer then is not political, but biblical obedience. That's the solution. And that's where we struggle because as Christians, we live in the world. We're surrounded by the politics. We're, we're entrenched in the world and we want solutions. So, but we start eking out of the church, the Bible. We, we, we start playing their game, so to speak. And we have to be very, very careful with that. We see that God is just that all the way, way back in the beginning of the law of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Deuteronomy 32, 4 reminds us that God's ways are, his works are perfect. And God does no wrong. He is upright and he is just. God sets the standard. God is it is the, the, the source of what justice is and even our understanding of justice. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He will defend the causes of the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. Not your social agenda. God is protecting them. God is, is overseeing the rain that falls on the rich and the poor. In Deuteronomy 27, we're reminded that Anyone who withholds justice is cursed by God. You know what? God will deal with you and your selfish heart or your greedy heart or your wicked heart and how you deal with people. Be more afraid of God's wrath than, than, than the social atmosphere. One of my favorite passages in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, it talks about uh, the instruction for, for the owner to make a provision for the gleaners, right? And so again, you have to just imagine having your, your crop that you blood, toil, sweat, and tears, and praying for rain, praying for sun, and the day in, day out, you know, and the grind, and, and just how hard it is. And then finally, your harvest comes up. And then just imagine being told by God, oh, cut the corners and give it away. Give it away. Yeah, you know, to those who didn't work for it, who didn't worry about it, who did nothing. Maybe they're poor, maybe they're lazy. Don't know, don't care. Give it away. And by the way, the aisles up and down every row, whatever falls on the ground, the gleaners get to get, get to have too. So, you know, just picture you're, you know, you're Mr. You know, Fred Meyer. And, and you go in the, the Fred Meyer box and you cut the corners. And people could just walk in and take, you know, the corners. And then they can walk down the aisles and whatever fell on the ground, they can pick that up. How would you feel? I mean, it sounds great when you're reading it. Yeah, glean, you know, give away to... Hey, God calls those who have to share with others. Okay, that, that's... God is not unjust. God is not uncaring. God cares for the widow, orphan, poor, and provides provision himself and gives us a blueprint for sharing. See, our Christian identity has always, always included the mercy mission. Always. Jesus is our model. Every single town he goes into, he feeds, he heals, he serves, he ministers to the people of the community. Now, he doesn't walk into town and tell everybody else to do it. He does it. He's the example. He's the example. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But this example has driven many Christians 
to say, you know what? On the battlefield, I see people getting shot and dying and bleeding out on both sides. I don't care. They're human beings. I want to help. The Red Cross is invented. There's people who are, are, you know, without homes and don't have a place to go. And so, you know, let's create rescue missions. And let's preach the gospel to them when they're, when they're in those rescue missions and, and, and getting healed spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And, and let's start something like the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. Right? People forget that. And so all these different things. Schools were invented and created by Christian churches and organizations. Orphanage by Christians who said, you know what? We see a need. We minister to people. They weren't mandated to do this. And they definitely didn't just do marches and wave flags. They did something about it. Their heart had a desire, had a calling. And so they did the calling. For me, it's the YMCA. For you, it's the Red Cross. For someone else, it's something else. That's how God calls us. God is just, and God brings justice to people. We have to ask the question, well, okay, well, what about community? What about, you know, my community, civilization? You hear these kind of words all the time, right? My community, my community. Look, we live in a real world. We, we live in a certain part of the country. You live in a, in a certain area that has different nuances. But within that, we, we have civil law. You know, the idea of civics and law, it comes, goes all the way back to the, the Mayflower. You know, they're all in the Mayflower. We're all getting ready to go off. And you've got the, you know, all the Christians and their, you know, brothers and sisters of Christ. And they've been together for 20 years. And you also got, you know, the, the skilled guys, the guys who are going over there to, to, to work. And they're looking around and going, okay, once we get off this ship, we have to live together. And so, so they made what was called the Mayflower Compact. It's an agreement that we're going to abide by this set of codes and laws. They don't have to. They agree to. And, and, and so and those codes and laws were based on what? Well, lo and behold, Scripture, the Bible. And that was the beginning of America, the beginning of all American law and constitution and everything in American law was embedded in God and God's standards and God's rules and God's laws. I mean, no, why is stealing wrong? I mean, eliminate the Bible and the Ten Commandments. Why is it wrong? Have at it. I mean, there's definitely cultures that don't have a problem with that. You, know, you go to Africa and they, you know, they don't have a problem with murder in some places. You don't love thy neighbor or eat thy neighbor. It's cool. Well, you can't have a community and civilization together, right? When, when, and this has happened. This is real in the world. So we have civil law and civilization that's based around structure, the structure of the Bible. And so the, the social justice warrior that's more concerned with a virtue signal is more, you know, talks about world peace, talks about harmony, utopia, humans' rights. This is just, it's just words. It's not reality. They, they come up with things like, all people deserve to be equal. All people aren't equal. This is the greatest speech I ever had was when I was in college, playing college baseball, and our, and our coach stood in front of us, you know, at the beginning of the year. And usually at the beginning of the year, you know, you hear something like this. Okay, you're all going to have an equal opportunity to play and an equal opportunity to, you know, to be. He's like, no, you're not going to get an equal, an equal chance. And it's like, well, that's interesting. He's like, you know why? Because God didn't give you an equal chance. It's like, whoa, this is different. You know, I just become a Christian. I'm going to a Christian college. I've never heard a speech like this before that God didn't make us, okay, keep going. And he points at the littlest guy and he goes, you know, Sheldon, God didn't make you tall, but you're the fastest guy on the team. He went to the tallest guy on the team. He goes, he didn't make you fast, but he made you tall and strong. And he went and he went down the, the line and started pointing us. And you realize God gave us special, unique gifts. And so God didn't make it equal. But on that team, you all have different roles and responsibilities. You could do the same thing like with music, right? Think about that. It's like, we don't all want drummers. 
just a minute. Although the drum line is pretty cool, but anyway, we we, we like a you know different different instruments. Well, this idea of equality ha has a, a, a double meaning, right? Yes, we want equal opportunity, but we we're not going to end up equal. Why? Because we don't start equal. We don't even have the same desires. Some people want to live, you know, out in a hundred acres and, and ranch and other people want to live downtown Seattle in a 400 foot square foot house and both are happy as clams. Praise the Lord. It's great. Well, why are you trying to make it to where we all have some kind of suit and who's saying what is equal? Um, it's very interesting. So there, there's, there's now a, a, a demonic force behind these concepts of socialism and communism that always lead to this cool word totalitarianism every single time in the history of the world. Um, and of course, all this based on the assumptions that the rich exploit the poor. So the Robin Hood welfare people take from them is fine and dandy. Is that what scripture says as the model? No, no, and no. And so we, we want to know and have a, a, a biblical understanding of what justice is and how we live in community. And so there's going to be rich and poor. There's going to be butchers and bakers because there's going to be different sets of skills and talents. So how do we address these injustices, right? Because we're, we're not callous to what's going on in the world. I hope not. That is not the message that we're not callous to these, these situations. But, but how as Christians do we have a biblical view of the, you know, the social justice wars and more importantly of, of these issues? Well, in James 1, I see three keys to, to a calling for, for biblical righteousness. Now, you'll notice already kind of a, a shift. Our attention is not, again, towards the political social justice war. Our attention is to how God talks. Our identity is in the, the way God communicates. The way God communicates is he says, I want you righteous. I want you holy. So, so that should already be a, a fast indicator. And so we're going to see three keys to a call for biblical righteousness. And the first key is establish self-control. The second is put aside fil uh, filthiness. And the third is be doers of the word. And so our call is not social justice words. Our call is a call to Christian identity that we see in establishing self-control, putting aside filthiness, and being doers of the word. And we see a picture of this in, in little old James 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So there's a lot of words here and a lot of cues, but one of the cues we miss is this ending, which is the righteousness of God. See, our goal is to be righteous. Our goal is to pursue, actively pursue the righteousness of God by being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We're called to, verse 21, put aside filthiness. Verse 22, prove ourselves to be actual doers of the word, not just hearers who delude themselves. And, and, and the way it concludes, and we'll, we'll go through this verse by verse, but the way it concludes is, so <clears throat> to be clear, we want you to be righteous. We want you to put aside filthiness. We want you to be doers. What's the example that's used here in James 1? If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. If you can't control your tongue, your religion's worthless. This is pure, undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So, is our goal the goal of the 
the same goal as the social justice warrior's goal or is our goal to be righteous before God? And what are some examples that God uses for us to wave the banner and live our lives? Well, we see them outlined here. And one of them is not neglecting the widow, orphan, the poor. But see, a political movement has a different agenda. A political movement then uses these things to suit their own purpose. They're, they're really not interested in these issues. They're, there's really a side agenda. So, you know, the, the attention to, to racial relations, black lives matter. Great. Black lives do matter. Only black lives? Well, in their agenda, yes. They will fight you on that one. You're, you are a racist bigot if you say all lives matter. That should be an indicator that something's wrong, uh, that on their website and in their structure, it has more to do with, with political um, issues than racial issues. They use terms like, you know, women's rights. Hey, women's rights, that sounds awesome. Totally believe in women's rights. So pro-abortion, kill babies. How, how do those coincide? Um, again, the idea of like, you know, gender identity, we talked about that last couple of weeks, gender identity, but we, we've got to start by denying basic biological science. Um, so that's not in harmony with science. We, we talked about homosexuality and, and, and other sinful things, fornication, adultery, any of those sinful acts that violate God's word are outside of God's order. There, there's no like, well, but this one's special. Okay, this, this one's, you know, you know, adulterers unite, right? I mean, there's more adulterers than there are homosexuals. I, I guarantee you that. You don't see people walking around with banners and flags, right? They hang the flag outside their, their house, you know. Adulterer here. It's, it's think about that. It's crazy. You know, again, the, the, uh, the feminists that have been telling women for years, we're for women, we're for women. Of course, they're not for Christian women. They're only for, you know, women who, you know, want to be lawyers and, and judges, um, which is like three people, you know. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, women like to have children and have a life, which is great. But right now, one of the things that the feminist movement fought so hard, which is a thing called Title IX, which is like, hey, women should be able to compete in sports. That's a good thing, right? So you can get a scholarship for playing football as a guy. You can get a scholarship for running track as a woman. Great. You both get to go to college. Now the guys get to pretend they're girls and take away the, the female's scholarship. And somehow that's okay because that's justice but is it justice or part of a political movement um again the issue of the border being human rights it has nothing to do with either one of those um and so the social judgment movement who puts in tons of resources gets tons of of airtime ask yourself a question have these problems increased or decreased They've escalated to heights that you couldn't, if you tried to make the homeless problem worse, I, I don't think you could do a better job than Los Angeles and Seattle have done it, it through enablement, not through the love of Christ. And, and that's, again, I, I don't want it to be political in your minds. I want you to think biblically here and we'll, we'll, we'll cut here. But remember, the, the Bible is not new to this. Uh, Moses was involved in the government. Joseph was involved in the government. Esther, Daniel. There, there's a way to be in subjection to the government, but never through a political agenda. It's always still spiritual. And, that, and this is where the Christian progressive movement ha has lost its way. The Christian progressive movement now has adopted the social justice lingo um, they, you know, well, you'll hear things, you know, well, we need a space place. We need to play, be a place of inclusion and acceptance. We need to coexist and to unify. Th th these are all secular 
social justice terminology. These aren't biblical terms. How are Christians allowing these into and infiltrate the church? Well, because they're sleeping with the enemy. That's why. And so, again, how should we live? We, we can complain and point out the problems. But you know what? God gives us a blueprint of, of how we live in this world, but not be like the world. We know what God says, and, but we need to, to, to frame our, our lingo and our conversation the way God does. My, my goal is not to be a justice warrior. My, my goal is to be a soldier for the Lord, right? Um, and so back to the book, James 1, verse 19 the first thing we need to do is establish self-control. Interesting. goes back to you. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Our goal is righteousness. You, how do we get righteousness? Well, first, set yourself to establish, establish your temperament. You have the capacity to control yourself. We are not stray dogs and cats. We are not animals that can't control our feelings, can't control our sexual appetites, can't control our, 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 our sin nature. You know what? We have to fight against it. Yes, some of us have a proclivity to natural born sinful activities worse than others. Fight it. Establish self-control with the goal of being righteous. That, that's our goal. The, the, the standard's high. And, and in the church, we, we have this idea, but yeah, but we're saved from all our sin. So lower the bar all the way. Yeah, we are saved from grotesque sin. Praise God. Amen. We, we step over that bar and then ascend. we desire to be like Christ, to be holy. We, we have a new goal, not to be the worst, to, but to be the best. And now in the newness, in, in the new creation of Christ, we can. We can wash ourselves clean from that sin, not, not slop around in the mud like a pig that we were. No, he made us clean, stay clean. That's our, our goal. What's, what's the social justice warrior goal? Well, and this is where this idea of virtue signal and how it really ties into this, pa pa this passage. One of the most wicked things that I see in this movement is this, this public expression of, of, of their sentiments and desires to really show their character, their so-called character, or correctness. Look at me. I care. And literally, they're like waving flags. I mean, that's kind of odd. And yelling and screaming. But what are they doing? What are they actually doing? Big, big talkers. In America, they keep track of things like donations. You know, IRS keeps track of that stuff. So we kind of have a really good feeling of who actually gives money, who puts their money where their mouth is. And far and above everybody else, Christians, conservative Christians, not liberals. Liberals don't give money. They wave flags. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a couple billionaires that give money. But like the normal people don't. Most Christians tithe, give a base of their money, and give above and beyond their money. Why? Because God spurs our heart and, and, and we do stuff. Not only do we give money, we actually... Volunteer, volunteerism within Christians is, is high. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, their goal then it really isn't to help the problem. Their goal is to promote, you know, a, an agenda, you know, a viewpoint, um, a politic, not really to solve. When I think of Christians, I, I think of some of the ministries God has blessed me to be a part of, the, the Hands of Mercy group. We used to go down to Mexico and, and, and build houses. People are homeless, let's build them a house. People need a place to have a pathway into America. They need home ownership. We'll build them a house. They'll have home ownership so they can legally come to America. Do something. 
Don't just talk about it. Go down and do it. Uh, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. You, you care about, you know, uh, the addicted. You care about the homeless, the, the hungry. Go down there and feed them. Um, they're, they're there. They're waiting for you. There's an organization that will help you do that with them. Um, there's babies that are born. They need places. Antioch Adoption right here in our backyard. We'll find places for the babies. Right now in America, we have a two-to-one ratio of people who want to adopt to the people who are aborted. We have people who will adopt those babies. Christians. And over and over again, we see Christians doing stuff, creating ministries. Why? To serve. But it all begins with this, which is funny because you... you, you And the reason why I read the passage and started from the beginning and jumped to the end was the end is we're supposed to care for the widow, orphan, poor. The beginning is be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Huh? How does that relate? Does it relate? It does. Because it it begins with this, look, you need to, to control yourself. You need to focus on being quick to hear. Be a person who is quick to listen. Be a person who's slow to speak. Be a person who's slow to anger. The anger of a man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. Yelling and screaming and protesting doesn't fix the problem. Now it makes a little bit more sense. Um, Calm, guarding your mouth, being slow to anger, that'll set you on a pathway to establish righteousness. We're not called to be obnoxious. We're not called to be obnoxious. We're not called to go to events and yell at, scream at people. That, that's part of why we lose ground because we don't have the... the you know, five o'clock clip, but are we doing enough on, on, on the, on the ground floor? And it begins with, with you. See, we have a you problem. We as individuals get just as angry as they do. Now that's not going to achieve the righteousness of God. We're playing a battle on, 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 on their court, debating, texting or not texting social media and, and, you know, you know, liking all those people who are angry and screaming at them and back and forth. Uh, actually we're told not to do that. That's why I read second Timothy for us. So, so we begin with establishing self-control. Our Christian identity of biblical righteousness begins with, with not signaling I care. I care. Right? And just getting louder and louder and jumping around more and more. That that is not the picture that, that, that we see. Remember what love is? Love is not arrogant and does not brag. Because love is humble. It, it, it's demure. Well, how, 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 how does this work? Well, the second element we see is well, first we have to begin by putting aside filthiness. Verse 21, therefore, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So first of all, our A1 goal is what? To feed the homeless, to shelter the homeless. Our goal is to save their soul. That's our goal. That's the end goal. We, we feed them all the time. We clothe them. There's nobody starves in America. Nobody starves in America. Nobody's hungry. Nobody in America who wants to live in a home is living on the streets. That's not how it works. I, I worked for Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. So our goal isn't to just take you off the street and put you into an apartment that doesn't save them from the pit of hell. Our goal is to save their souls. So, so we're to put aside all filthiness. What's filthiness? 
Filthiness is, well, it's pollution. But I mean, we, we have a good idea of filthiness. I'll go back to Romans 1 because we were just studying Romans 1. And, you know, these things are filthy. Romans 1, 29, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Although they knew the ordinance of God and those who practice, those who practice, when you practice those things, you're worthy of death. Now, do we sometimes sinfully do these things? We do. But the practicer, the one who makes like an unrepentant, um, consistent lifestyle of this, that's who they're talking about. And not only that, but those who do the same, but those who give heartily approval to those who practice them. Look, most of the issues that we see in the realm of the social justice is self-inflicted wounds. And what you have within that are people that in essence are approving what they do standing by while they do these things and instead of saying you need to repent from this or giving heartily approval saying how can we support and pay for your lifestyle see god has a different way of us living in a different way of us viewing these things in a in a different approach to helping the widow orphan poor it begins by being quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger and putting aside all filthiness you know, somebody's yelling at you, you know, and, and I hear this in the church. We're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. We're not doing. Are, are you doing enough? I, I hear you and I see you pointing fingers. Again, that's the virtue signal. I care so much. I'm going to yell at church. We're not doing enough here. Do you even know what we're doing? Um, what, what do we do with our finances? And, and you guys should be proud of it. Little Ravensdale Bible Church. We have a. An, an aggressive approach to our our finances when it when it looks at the missions and it's like look we're giving twenty percent of what comes into Cambodia Malawi we're helping the women's shelter in Seattle the rescue mission we were in partnership with you know um, Lake Retreat the camp and so we're actively involved in applying this passage. Your money is actively being applied in this passage. Now, you also have opportunities to go and do other things that, that you would desire. You don't have to wave the flag and tell us all, you know what I do on Sunday nights? Well, when you guys are, you know, I'm on the streets, you know. Um, you know how much I, well, I'm not going to tell you how much I get, but it's a lot. Um, that's a virtue signal. We're, we're, we're to put this kind of stuff off. We're, we're to put off filthiness that remains in humility. We love to, it'd be an interesting thing, you know, to, to you ever see redaction papers, you know, from politics? They'll hold up the paper and like everything's blacked out. And there's like two words. It's like, we do that with the Bible. You know, we go through, and like, okay, what do I like? It's quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah, I guess I I can't redact the slow to anger, but the here thing, I don't like what they have to say. Uh, I like to talk. We'll scratch that one out. Put aside filthiness. I guess I have to do that, but not in humility. We'll scratch that one out. It's like, no, humble yourself. Humble yourself in what way? Before the word, before the word of God. We're to receive God's word in humility. Why? Because that's what saves souls. If we want to really help, if we really want to help, we'll humble ourselves, listen to God's word, and, 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 and follow God's structure. Not, not this political structure. See, the, the political scene thrives in chaos. They thrive in chaos. They, they do better because they get more attention. We, we talked about, you know, earlier, it's like the, this stuff doesn't even work. We see 
more teen pregnancy. We see more drug abuse. We see more homelessness. We see more welfare. But when you monetize, when money gets poured into these areas, there's a you know, report in you know, Los Angeles right now. It's like the money is so big for in, the, in the homeless market that's like, why would I have an interest in solving homelessness when I make, you know, a half a million dollars a year being the head of stopping it? So if I stop it, I just lost my job. And by the way, there's a lot of other jobs. It's like there's so much money in this hustling of problems um, that they're really not interested. They, they promote it. They talk about it. They scream about it, but they're not fixing it. They're not personally. And again, Personally, you put aside all filthiness, not just the list in Romans 1, but anything that pollutes the word of God. Receive God's word. Well, how so? Finally, we see by being doers of the word. Now, see, we don't want to sit here and just be talkers either. Oh, this sounds good. No, we, we got to do it. You know, Nike, just do it. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. I love how God speaks to us. It's like he knows what we're thinking before we're thinking because he knows what we're thinking before we're thinking. It was 2,000 years ago. It's like, did he write this to me? So he says, be doers of the word. And he looks back at you, not just listen, do it. Who delude themselves. For if anyone thinks he's a hero of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once he looks at himself and and gone away he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was go look at a mirror and then not oh, I, I don't know I, for, I forget but the one who looks intently at the perfect law the law is perfect the law of liberty and abides by it, having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man shall be blessed in what he does. Now, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This now, this. Okay, everybody listen. Everybody heads up. This is pure and undefiled religion. Don't we, don't we have a great desire to know, okay, what's just give me the basics here, right? Just, just cut it down to like a simple sentence. Maybe I can memorize it because I'm not that smart. It's like, I, I just, I, I just want to honor God. I, I, I want to be a good person. What is pure? What's the pure undefiled religion? And what does it say? In the sight of our God and Father, visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. Be careful. Be on guard. Begins with be careful about your deluded heart. Our hearts are so easily deceived. That, that's the, the Bible. God is constantly concerned with us being fools. You know why? Because we're fools. Because we like to float towards the fullest, the suppression of truth and the speculation. We like to listen to those who tickle our ears and say what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. And we've been doing that since we were kids, right? And I don't want to hear that. Tell me what I want to hear. Um, so we're, we're deluded. We're, we're self-deceived. God is telling us, don't just listen. Don't just talk about it. You have to do it. We, we got to be doers of God's word. We're to re review the law intently. And it, it, it's got the idea here in the Greek of stooping down. In the Greek, it's, you, you know, you stoop down. Why? To get closer, to, to make an examination, to, to really see it. That's what we have to do with God's word. So when we look at this, we go, how does God really want me to approach the issue of orphans and widows? Oh, 
James 1 addresses that. And it's not packaged in a political way. It's packaged in, this is just the way we live in our Christian identity. And and so that's where we have to shift because we want to put it into an agenda package. And God's saying, no, this is a Christian identity thing. And and all inclusive in this, in the way you live, begins with you, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, begins with you proving or, or putting aside all filthiness. And then be a doer. Be a doer. You must abide. That means continuously remain. Effectual, successfully productive. See, again, the social justice war, are they really interested in succeeding in their agenda? Well, I don't care what their goal is. Our goal is to succeed. Our goal is to win. Win what? Win souls. Verse 21, to save souls. Let's not lose sight of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is we're on a rescue mission to save souls. A lifestyle, not a rally. And so here's the, the religious checkup. How do we live? How, what, what does God say in, in James 1? And there's many other passages and many other ways, but right here in James 1, we see, look, okay, here's how to be religious. Watch your tongue. Control your mouth. Control your tongue. Number two, watch that your heart is not being deceived. How? Humble yourself before God's word. Stay in God's word. Let God correct, teach, and instruct you over and over and over again. And then be effective in ministry. Do something. Visit an orphan. Visit widows. And finally, be on guard. Do not be stained and soiled by the world. This is why we don't join with them. Is the issue of racism important? Yes, but not the way they're doing it. Is the issue of, of you know, women's rights important? Yes, but not the way they do it. Is the issue of you know, what's happening at the border important? Absolutely, but not the purpose and the reasons of the way they're doing it. And so they're, they're not trying to address a, a, a biblical approach to this. They're, they're trying to make it a political one. So our actions then aren't peacocking. We are called as believers to do something, to be doers. I'm going to rapidly run through some here now. Luke 15, 7 through 10. Did you realize and understand that there's joy in heaven over repentant sinners? When sinners repent, heaven goes crazy. It's a party. If that's heaven's desire, that's my desire. So so I could fight all year long and advocate all year long for some political agenda. Guy goes, okay, I'm in, I'll vote. Heaven's not rejoicing. I want heaven to rejoice. So, so that's the starting point. Jeremiah 29, 4, 7 talks about seeking the welfare of the city. That's a good thing to seek for the care of your city. Mark 14, 7 reminds us the poor will be with you always. You're, you're not going to completely eliminate that. First Peter 4, 10 says each of you has a gift to imply for serving. Keep that in mind. Luke 10 Talks about the good, the model of the good Samaritan and what that looks like. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 reminds us that God loves a, not a giver, a cheerful giver, right? So sometimes our money matters for helping other peoples who are actually in the front lines. Hebrews 13, 1 through 3 reminds us that don't neglect to show hospitality to others. Heck, you might be entertaining angels. Ever think about that one? 1 John 3.17 says, If you see a brother in need and you close your heart, how does the love of God abide in you? See, we're not called to just blow off these things. But we're called to live them out personally in our family and through the church. That's why the church becomes such an important instrument. And so biblical righteousness that will make a, an actual impact 
begins by first establish self-control. Look in the mirror. It starts with you, not yelling at other people, not, not social, you know, media and, you know, instead put aside the filthiness, put it aside. Don't be a proud virtue signaler, right? Put aside the filthiness. Instead, be a doer of God's word. Stop peacocking in private, in humility, serve the unique way that God has made you. So I don't tell you how to do that. You do that individually, uniquely, where God has placed that burden and that passion on your heart. And then you do it in the darkness, right? You, you, you as the scriptures say, you give with your right hand without your left hand knowing what it's doing. That's how on the QT it needs to be. Let's pray. Lord, Help us to have love, passion, and compassion for the widow, orphan, poor, for our communities, for all the issues that are around us. But Lord, these issues are here because of sin. These issues are here because people reject you. And the only way we solve racism, the only way we stop abortion, the only way we bring people back to their their God-given gender identity and their God-given role as a man and a woman. And Lord, the only way that we actually have true peace is when we follow you. And so Lord, help, help us to stay in your word humbly. Help us to be leaders in our home that then extends to our church, to our community. And Lord, help us to not be peacocks, but to be doers of the word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.